Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Tuesday, May 2nd, 529 a.m. Central Time. As I speak here, July corn futures up two at 586 and a half. July soybeans up 10 and a quarter at 1437 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat up one and three quarters at 620. July Kansas City wheat up two and three quarters at 760 even. July spring wheat up a half at 791 and a half. So pretty quiet, but higher here this morning. Mackenzie, where would you like to start today? So USDA released its monthly grain crush report yesterday. Corn consumed for fuel ethanol was down 3% in March versus the same month last year. During the current marketing year, we've seen corn use for ethanol decline every month versus the same period the prior year. USDA projects that corn demand via ethanol will decline by only 1.5% this year. Some believe that the USDA may need to reduce the corn via ethanol number on its balance sheet. Okay, so if you go through these grain crush reports every single month of the marketing year to this point, uh, September, corn for ethanol was down 6%. October, it was down 4%. November, it was down 4%. December, it was down 11%. January, down 4%. February down 2%, March down 3%. The way USDA has this penciled in its balance sheet, USDA projects that corn demand via ethanol will decline by only 1.5% this year, which may be a stretch. I mean, we could still hit that target, but we're going to need to see some improved ethanol production statistics uh, in these weekly EIA reports and, and maybe something that's actually positive versus the prior year in these grain crush reports. So here's some math for you. Let's say that USDA is wrong and the decline is not 1.4 or 1.5%. Let's say it's 3%. If, if it's actually a 3% decline, that's an additional 84 million bushels of corn demand off of the balance sheet, which is, uh, I think, something that people are probably starting to consider. So not only do we have export problems, I think we may also have some ethanol problems. If it makes you guys feel any better, they do include uh, corn consumed for beverage alcohol, which was up 32% uh, versus March of the prior year. I don't know if that's going to help our ethanol problems, but uh, certainly interesting. What's next? So Black Sea, Green De Black sea Green Deal talks will take place on Wednesday. All sides will be involved in the talks, according to an unnamed senior Ukrainian official. This likely means that Ukraine, Russia, Turkey, and the United Nations will be represented. Russia continues to indicate that the deal will not be extended beyond its May 18th expiration. Moscow says that the UN and the West have made no progress progress in assisting Russia with its own grain and fertilizer shipments. Russia wants sanction relief and the West is unlikely to cooperate. Yeah, it sounds like this is going to take place in Moscow. Uh, Reuters reporting very early this morning that a top UN official will travel to Moscow. So maybe all of this will happen in Moscow. Uh, still the grain deal. I mean, I don't really see any progress here. Here's the statistics. This is what's at risk. And, and I think we mentioned this a week or two ago. Ukraine is projected to account for 6.8% of all global wheat exports this year. And I guess that that number, that 6.8%, 
it, even if it's at risk, it may just not be big enough to be a market mover at this point. That's that's the way I read it because the market doesn't care about this. Uh, in regard to corn, we mentioned this before too, corn's a bigger deal. Ukraine's expected to account for or projected by USDA to account for 14.7% of all global corn exports this year. So again, this is actually a bigger deal for corn and for export prospects, but the market seems uh, just very much disinterested. So if you guys aren't already subscribed to our premium content, you sure need to do so. Joe, what did you talk about yesterday with our video? How can China just cancel corn purchases? Um, I had a million questions about this. Joe, I'm a farmer. I can't just walk away from my grain contracts when I don't like them. How can China do this in regard to uh, corn or soybean purchases? And we see this happen almost every year. China cancels something and it does impact the market without a doubt. I kind of explained the process. I I explained some of the the contracts, some of the penalties that are probably involved. A lot of this is not transparent. Um, And then we had another video last week that I wanted to mention again because it was so good. Uh, Chris Barron from AgView Solutions joined me and uh, we pulled out the crop insurance calculator. This is is something that you absolutely have to do if you're considering new crop corn or soybean sales in particular right now. Uh, Before you panic, before you make a panic sale, a panic option purchase, you've got to see where you stand in regard to crop insurance. Uh, We had a free tool, free Excel spreadsheet that was available in the newsletter this morning. If you guys want to see all of this stuff, go to standardgrain.com this morning, sign up for the premium deal. It's 50 bucks a month. You can cancel at any time. There's no other fee. There's no other obligation. Nobody will try to sell you anything else. If you've got like one minute and a credit card, you can do this on your phone if you're busy this morning. So check that out this morning, guys. U.S. corn planting is running at an average pace. The crop was 26% planted nationally through Sunday versus 14% the prior week and 26% on average. States that are 25% planted or better include Illinois, Iowa, Nebraska, Kansas, Missouri, Kentucky, Tennessee, North Carolina, and Texas. States with 5% of the crop planted or less include Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Michigan. The crop is 6% emerged nationally versus 3% last week and 5% on average. So when you look at the national number versus average, I mean, nothing to see here, right? We're right on par with the five-year average. You've got to look a little bit deeper and at the, I'm not going to call them delays, but it's very slow and there's been very little activity up north. They've still got time. Temperatures are going to warm up uh, substantially this week. Um, there's another cool down kind of expected, I think, next week. So it's it's not a perfect looking forecast, but it's a better looking forecast. I know they've had flooding issues up north, but those three states, again, the Dakotas and Minnesota are probably a uh, your question mark here. Um, everybody else looks to be in all right shape. I know in like the Eastern Corn Belt, you get into Indiana, Ohio, they've been a little bit slower as well, but I don't see any reason to sound the alarm here yet. I still think there's a lot of questions about acreage up north though. Dakotas and Minnesota in particular, what gets planted? Is there switching? Is there prevent plant? Uh, that stuff is still up in the air. Soybean planting is ahead of schedule. The crop is 19% planted nationally versus 9% the prior week and 11% on average. States that are 30% planted or better include Illinois, Missouri, Arkansas, Louisiana, and Mississippi. States that have 3% of the crop planted or less include North Dakota, South Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan. So um, same deal. It's it's the same deal. The states up north are your problems. Everywhere else is probably going to be all right. They're moving pretty quickly in some of these areas. I think that in recent years, um, guys have done well planting soybeans early, and we're seeing a little bit more of that. But uh, out ahead of schedule, uh, no real issues here, again, except for areas up north. What about winter wheat? 
So conditions have improved marginally. The crop was rated 28% good to excellent versus 26% the prior week and 45% on average. Improvements were noted in Oklahoma, Colorado, and Texas, where recent rain events may have helped to improve crop prospects. The rating in Kansas declined marginally. The crop is 25% headed nationally versus 18% last week and 23% on average. The U.S. spring wheat crop is 12% planted nationally versus versus 5% the prior week and 22% on average. There are some additional rains expected for some rain, I guess, expected for uh, portions of U.S. HRW wheat country maybe next week. There's going to be parts of Nebraska to catch some rain, uh, parts of central and eastern Kansas and Oklahoma, the places that will be left high and dry next week with this event, the way that it looks. Western Kansas is going to be dry. Eastern Colorado, um, Texas Panhandle, Oklahoma Panhandle area, those areas are going to be on the dry side. So there is some additional relief coming, but not for everywhere. Uh, when it comes to spring wheat planting, expect the slow pace to continue for a little while. I'm not sure if all of that crop will get in the ground or what the deal is going to be, but uh, we know that the situation up north is problematic, certainly. U.S. corn shipments increased sharply last week. USDA reported that 1.5 million metric tons, so 60 million bushels of corn, were inspected for export during the week ending April 27th. The print was up 62% on the week and down 11% versus the same week last year. Accumulated corn shipments for the current marketing year are down 35% versus the same time period last year. Soybean shipments were up 6% from the previous week, totaling 401,976,000 metric tons. Wheat shipments were 358,273,000 metric tons, down 3%, down 2%, excuse me, compared to the previous week. Okay, so of the three crops, your corn, corn is the one that has problems. Uh, we're probably going to hit USDA projections in soybeans or wheat. Some people might argue about that. Corn's the big problem. And here's the problem. The, the, the good print this week speaks to how bad it actually is. So we were up 62% on the week in regard to corn shipments, but we're just average. This is where we're supposed to be this time of year. And we were still down, uh, would you say, 11% versus the same period last year. So this 1.5, this is great, but you need to see this like, we need to see this uh, consistently, like on a weekly basis. We don't need to see this stuff down at a million or less. That's no good. This 1.5 is where we should be. We should be here or slightly better. So as we mentioned with ethanol, yeah, USDA may have to come down with those projections. I think a lot of people are of the opinion that USDA will absolutely have to come down with the uh, corn export projection on the balance sheet, especially given these recent uh, Chinese cancellations. So Fed officials are expected to raise interest rates to historic levels this week. Uh, Federal, Federal Reserve officials will host a meeting on Tuesday and Wednesday to discuss whether one more interest rate hike is enough to pause the fastest rate raising cycle in 40 years. Officials are expected to announce a 0.25% hike, increasing the benchmark federal funds rate to a 16-year high. Some officials contend it would be better to see how the economy un unfolds through the summer before determining if more increases are necessary. Bond investors are already anticipating that the Fed will cut rates later this year. Central bank officials expect rates to hold steady to provide further restraint on economic activity. 
What's more interesting to me than the fact, not the fact, but the probability that the Fed will hike tomorrow is the uh, probability that they'll pause after that. Here's the CME tool. Again, I had this yesterday, but it's changed. So we've now got a 97% chance that they do a quarter point hike uh, based on Treasury market activity uh, here this morning uh, in May. But then you go to June and you've got almost a 75% chance that they pause in June. And this pause, the, the probability or potential for a pause, that's probably the more important thing in regard to the markets. Uh, the markets are anticipating um, a Fed that's, yeah, one more hike, but then we're going to kind of level off here with this Fed fund rate in that like five and an eighth effective uh, rate neighborhood. So I'm not quite sure what that means. I know the stock markets acted well. Commodity markets have not acted so well. Kind of a mixed bag of activity here, but that's going to be a big number uh, come tomorrow. Cattle market was a little bit lower yesterday. Yeah, both live and feeder cattle futures were red across the board on Monday. Feeder cattle futures closed an average of 92 cents lower. They were anywhere from 55 cents to a buck 27 lower. Live cattle futures closed an average of 59 cents lower, anywhere from 37 cents to a buck 12. Choice box beef ended the day at 310.02. That was down 142. Select ended the day at 291 flat. That was up $2.66. Outside markets this morning, guys, U.S. dollars just a little bit higher. The S&P's down 7, the Dow Jones down 70. Precious metals mixed. Crude oil's down 48 cents in the June WTI 75.18 last trade. Have a great day, guys. Uh, we'll talk to you Wednesday.